Hey there, uh, Luke here. I hope you're doing all right. Um, yeah, I just uh, wanted to come on before the show and just say that this is a conversation that I had with my sister-in-law, Amber, back in the year of 2021, just before the historic heat dome that happened here in British Columbia, where temperatures reached to mm, maybe about 40 degrees Celsius, which is, whoa, way too hot for us here, but... Yeah, this is also a conversation that uh, she and I had um, just after me meeting my nephew for the very first time. And I gotta say that this is probably one of the most special conversations I have ever had. And uh, I really value this conversation and I am so glad that um, Amber gave me the go-ahead to post it. I think uh, she also really enjoys this conversation as well, and it means a lot to both of us. Um, I hope that maybe when you're listening to this, that you'll find some value in this conversation just as much as we both did. And yeah, I should say it was um, recorded in person, so you will definitely be hearing a lot of the background sounds and maybe a cat meowing every so often. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's actually very special. It's honestly just one of those time capsule kind of conversations that I'm so grateful for. It brings me a lot of joy. So, you know, without any further ado, I'm just going to jump right in. Hey there, Brambling. It's your Uncle Luke here. how much you've grown you are such a big little boy right now and it's blowing my mind and oh you're so cute I got to meet you for the first time too you know there is this funny little moment and I don't know maybe in the grand scheme of things you're probably not going to care when you're older but like my first time meeting you we were looking at in each other's eyes we were playing with some toys on the rug and you kind of grabbed my face and you gave me a smile and then your little tiny fingers uh inched the right way over to my nose and you grabbed my nose and you gave a little giggle and then your fingers slowly drifted down to my lips and you stuck your finger in my mouth and i was like whoa okay (laughs) Uh, and we both laughed and it was so cute and oh gosh i cried i cried meeting you so that's all you know whatever no big deal (laughs) Uh, in the century i talked to your mom and we are talking about religion and religious diversity and spirituality and faith and what that all kind of means and how we interpret our own spirituality. We also kind of discuss how, you know, religious practice, religious beliefs and spirituality and faith and all of that is actually just a very personal thing, right? And it's just like how you feel your own version of happiness or your own version of sadness or anger. Your emotions are yours, just like your faith is yours as well and 
something I've come to learn is that faith is a very difficult thing to measure, to quantify, and to give a stable definition towards. However, it is a very important and incredible thing to have. So whatever faith means to you, just know that that is your personal definition and that is what you want it to be and no one can really take that away from you. Anyways, <laughs> we also talk about how sometimes talking about religion can be a very charged and emotional topic and what to do when we get into those types of conversations where you're starting to feel really bleh angry and what else do we talk about we talk about baptism in a really cool way that i didn't really think of until the this very conversation and how science can fit into this i really loved listening to your mom's explanation of how science just kind of fits in where spirituality leaves off and spirituality fits in where science leads off and they complement each other and I just want you to know that this is one of those things in human life that I don't think is going away. I think we need to learn how to live and be and accept and respect all types of people and realize that they are humans in your community and they deserve to be seen and heard and felt and understood anyways. I really hope you enjoy. sunny day in the precipice of a heat wave oh yes <laughs> yes we're all really like uh, hottest it? temperatures that i've personally seen in the four years of living here it's saying uh, anticipated 44 degrees on tuesday which means 50 mm. So uh, today on our morning walk with Desmond, we rapidly purchased an extra air conditioner oh <laughs> so gosh. that we can keep him cool during naps. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we can currently see him napping in the baby monitor and it's the cutest thing. He's just fallen asleep and <sighs> he looks so peaceful. It's one of my favorite things actually. It's slightly creepy to be able to just kind of stare at him on a video monitor, but it's like wonderful to just watch him slowly drift off no that's so cute mm -hmm. so amber i'm here in person <laughs> a long time and uh now i've got <laughs> you here to have a little chat and we wanted mm -hmm. to talk about religion today and yeah. uh, more specifically nurturing religious diversity Okay. But before we begin, I just wanted to ask you, like, maybe take a ten minutes or whatever, mm -hmm. and if you're down, just what, tell me your story, and start from wherever you want, whatever you want to share. My story in terms of religion, or... In terms of religion, if you want, or just you, if you want to talk about something, or, like, share a story, or something that might be really cool. Like, let's, let's, who's Amber Benoit? Yeah, who am I? Oh, you can probably hear that in the background. My, Did you hear that pager going off? Um, I can, but I don't know if uh, the recording will pick it up. But well, we'll that, see. That's something about you too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's luckily not for our department, but unluckily for the other department, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so who I am today is 
drastically different than who I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of the main parts of my personality have changed per se, but like I've mellowed out. I've changed my perspective on the world quite a bit and that kind of ties in with how my spirituality and faith have developed over the last five years it's given me such a sense of peace that i did not have before i started sort of communing with god every day Mm -hmm. i grew up in the lower mainland and this would probably be a whole other conversation or series of conversations with Desmond one day that I didn't have a very good upbringing. I was still in a sense privileged because there's a lot of people around the world who don't even have basic human needs like fresh water or enough food to put on the table and my mom worked really hard to make sure that we still had the basic necessities but I was really horribly bullied in school and so I've probably blocked out a lot of what my childhood was and I wouldn't even classify it as a childhood Mm. when Desmond was born this is one thing I said to Brendan that I was going to be relying on him a lot to help me figure out what a childhood looks like for Desmond because I never really had one to reference Mm. but all of that aside All of those adversities and difficulties and traumas that I went through growing up have led me to the person I am today. And through lots of counseling and self-work and introspection, I feel like I've come out on the other side of it, a stronger person. So there's, and there's no way around pain Mm -hmm. and grieving. You just, there's, you can basically just go through it. You got to go through it. Who I am today um yeah new mom Mm -hmm. just about to go back to work full-time and currently just starting my master's degree to become a counselor and on the side i'm the treasurer for our church here and i'm also a volunteer firefighter in the community just finished my last skill in order to get my interior certification which is like just below the captain level that's something i never thought i would do and i just kind of started it's led here and we haven't been doing Aikido since the pandemic but before that hit Brendan and I did martial arts together as well so fun oh it's been fantastic (laughs) it's a great like there's so many things so many things you can learn from martial arts like you you learn perseverance more than anything for me because I'm not naturally like acrobatic or anything like that And I had to persevere through the clumsiness of me learning how to do forward rolls on wrestling mats and stuff like that. And when I think about what I have just described, becoming a firefighter, doing martial arts, like moving here, working through traumas, there is a a common thread that kind of runs through all of it, and that is perseverance. It's that you don't become an expert at something overnight. Mm -hmm. You don't fix all of your wounds overnight. Mm -hmm. It all starts with small steps. And then you just take them one by one and keep going. And then before you know it, you'll wake up one morning and go, wait a second, I'm here now. Wow, I'm here. I I have a black belt. How did this happen? I I don't actually have a black belt. But one one day. day I will wake up and go, oh my goodness, I have a black belt. And it all started with the decision to step back onto the mats. Mm-hmm. and making that decision every day but you certainly don't feel like an expert overnight Definitely. so 
I'm not sure if that really fully answers the question, but... Um, no, it does. That's awesome. Yeah. There's so much more that I could talk about in terms of my life, but yeah, I think the overarching theme is that I had a pretty traumatic upbringing that I am grateful for. Wow. That's profound. Damn. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, well, I guess I'll just jump right into our topic, but uh, where are you with your faith, with your religious beliefs? Where are you at? I'm in a huge period of transformation in terms of my faith, um, just because I've just started seminary school, and so I'm learning a lot more right now about the foundations of specifically Christianity. Mm. My faith in God started when I was about eight years old, and I went to Nest Lake Bible Camp in Prince George. My grandparents are devout Mennonites, so I've been around religion my whole life, but it wasn't until I went to Bible Camp that I kind of got immersed in that culture. And the experience there, I think it was only three or four days, was transformative in itself. Everybody was so kind to me and supportive. Mm -hmm. And when you juxtapose that with how cruel people were to me in my everyday life, I kind of had this realization that this feeling I got at Bible camp, that is how people should treat each other. You know, I've always had a strong sense of justice mm. from the day I was born. Mm. I've had a strong sense of justice. And so that really, I think, placed a loyalty in my heart for religion. Wow. A lot of people unfortunately fall out with religion mm -hmm. because individuals place judgment on them that they have no right of placing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when that happens you end up having to demonize religion mm -hmm. it's happening right now and unfortunately oh like with the residential schools yeah with all those discoveries yeah and the atrocities that yeah, people have performed in the name of God. And I'm using air quotes here because no true Christian would ever harm children like that. So true. Right. You know, it's already almost over a thousand kids now, right? Yeah. In unmarked graves. Golly. It's, yeah, it's horrible. I know that's, uh, that's a yeah. bit of a negative turn there. But so no, no. in terms of my faith, I mean, I have seen some pretty clear signs of God working in my life. Mm. And the more I listen and the more I follow those signs and then have, have everything work out because I did that, mm -hmm. the more confirmation I get that, yeah, this is not sheer coincidence. Mm. This is more than that. And so I actually just recently did a theology course. And one of the exercises we did was called the two chairs exercise where you have two chairs in a room. One of them you are sitting in and one of them God is sitting in. And you have to visualize how are those chairs positioned. Mm. You know, like, the, are you facing opposite each other? Are you facing away? Like, what is your current relationship with God? And what I said was that the two chairs are actually seats on a roller coaster. And God and I are facing the same way. We're on this roller coaster together. We're going through ups and downs and lefts and rights and loop-de-loops. And it's crazy. And I feel like this sense of kind of panic going, oh my goodness, because my life is in such transformation right now. Mm. Um, but then I look to my left and there's God and he's holding my hand and he has the biggest smile on his face as he stares at me lovingly. Oh. And I realize, actually, this is kind of fun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh 
Oh wow, I love that. I love roller coasters too. I do too. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I do. I love. So it's this God's with me. God's got my back. Is there sitting next to me, guiding me along, going, "It's okay, child. This is all gonna be fine. You know, you've got this. We've got this together. This is." the start of a new beginning and a new wonderful life and so I have anxieties that I experience around all of this change I think that's only natural but when I sit back and actually reflect on everything that's happening right now it's it's really exciting yeah I had a visual in my head actually a memory your story about um, God sitting next to you on the roller coaster just made me think of when I went to Disneyland and I remember we were next to the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Okay. And Brendan went in. And I was 12, and I was so scared. And I was uh, standing next to my dad, and we saw these other little kids who were younger than me come out of the Hollywood Tower of Terror. And dad's like, hey, look, they're younger than you. Like, you can do it. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, if they can do it, I guess I can do it. And I just remember sitting next to him, and we got to the very top of the tower, and they opened the doors, and like the, the story is like, you're going to the fifth dimension and so then they're like here's your last look of the world and then you see the whole park and uh, then they take a picture of you and I just remember the picture of me is my arms are like wrapped around my dad's so tight and I screamed bloody murder (laughs) and dad's just laughing yes I don't know, I get this uh, visual of my dad and I'm wrapping my arms around him, but something kind of similar is like, like God is next to you holding your hand through your roller coaster ride, where I had an experience where my dad was next to me holding my arm on the Hollywood Tower of Terror, but it's like God works his way through different relationships and different people and kind of cool that like you're having this figurative uh, moment on a roller coaster and I had like mm-hmm. an actual moment but mm-hmm. they work in a similar way. It's interesting <laughs> that you should say that because you know this was a relationship w- with you and, and your father and God is often pictured as a father figure mm-hmm. and for me God isn't because you know my own father I'm estranged from right so mm-hmm. I, I've never really had that like father-daughter relationship with God but that is how it is usually pictured. So my next question is, uh, what do you think life would be like if every institution that's related to faith disappeared? What would the community be like? How would it impact where you and your neighbors do business? And uh, what would the healthcare look like? Yeah, so... It just was poof. I think that depends on how you define faith. Mm, Okay. Because faith and organized religion are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Right? You can have faith in God and not be a part of any organized religion whatsoever, mm-hmm. quite easily. You can have, you can be a part of organized religion and not have any faith in God, too. That's, there's a lot of people who go to church who feel nothing mm-hmm. for God. So there are two very different things. If the world was devoid of faith, well, to me, that would be hell. Mm. That would just be hell on earth, basically. Mm-hmm. Faith is a driving force stemming from love and hope that if if it didn't exist I just don't know where the positivity in the world would come from mm-hmm. I think faith is very important whether or not you associate with a religion wow absolutely now if there was no organized religion I mean again 
have to challenge that question. Organized religion in terms of specifically Christianity, Islam, Orthodox, Jewish, uh, like that, or all organized religions, including paganism, First Nations, spiritual practices. Most groups have their own form of religion, mm-hmm. whether or not they have buildings in their name. Um, but say in like a big city like where I'm from, mm-hmm. we've got hospitals mm-hmm. in the name of patron saints. Mm-hmm. We've got like the Jewish bagel shop. Well, so I think I understand. I think I get what you're throwing down there. Okay, And (laughs) if I think about it in terms of that, if I think about where that would be, um, that kind of leads me to think about... So, first of all, say in terms of, like, the Jewish bagel shop, that would still exist because people communicate their love through food regardless of uh, religion. Like, that, that would just happen. I don't believe that restaurants and stuff would disappear because... I mean, it's food. It's, it is a way that we communicate love to each other. In terms of specific, like, institutionalized buildings that are named after saints or whatever, I think some of the ways these have been done in the past, for example, residential schools, mm. the world would be better off if they hadn't existed. Absolutely. I hear that. But having said that, there are other institutions like hospitals and orphanages and other care centers that are labeled after saints and stuff and and missions groups and such that I believe if their mission is carried out in a way that is actually true to the teachings of Jesus Christ, then they're beneficial. Mm -hmm. It's, It's tough because that message can be distorted quite a bit, but I mean, one of the main messages of Christianity and specifically of Jesus's teachings was to care for the sick and the needy and those in poverty. And so someone has to do that. Someone has to care for those people. Whether or not other people would step into that role without religion, I don't really know. But I think that having that as something like, it's called charity in Christianity, but that is that is expected of Christians mm-hmm. to be charitable towards others. Mm-hmm. I think it really depends on whether or not those institutions were actually true to that message or not. I really hear that. When I think about this question, I think about the intended good that all these people, like, say, in the city, have in the bagel shop, maybe have in the shawarma shop, Mm -hmm. have in the hospital. All of them are for the betterment of the community, and Mm -hmm. it's almost like, I don't care what you believe, have a bagel, have a shawarma, come get healed. Like, yes, they're built under the grounds of faith, but it's humanity first, right? I feel as though if they were to not exist, suddenly it would be a little bit like a a bullet hole or like a wound in that community right and you know we can paint them under the brush of faith and religion but in reality it is just humans being humans helping humans Mm -hmm. and that's just what i really appreciate yeah 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 how does one make someone feel welcome and included and have there been any times or any examples in your life where you didn't feel welcome or included childhood I was excluded and ridiculed at school Mm -hmm. um, to the point where I had to switch school systems the bullying was so bad Mm. unfortunately it's pretty easy to make someone feel excluded unwanted unappreciated because we all have big egos Mm. and when we let our egos run the show we only think of ourselves and we forget that that other person is a human being you know with feelings Mm -hmm. and with needs and with a heart 
with a soul, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy to make people feel excluded. To make them feel included, you have to set aside that ego and try and understand that regardless of if you do have differences that are on the surface, you're pretty, you're pretty much the same person. You know, mm -hmm. we are all the same. We are all one and the same. Yeah. It's hard for me to re reason through this sometimes because as I said before, I was born with such a sense of justice that to me, trying to make someone feel bad, just, it's, it's just wrong. And I don't understand why people do it mm. to make them feel better about themselves, I guess. I mean, there's that quote by Maya Angelou, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time when someone is cruel to you, it's because they themselves are hurting. And I think the ultimate goal is to be able to make space for that when people are mean to you, to just stop and go, wow, what is going on with you right now? Mm -hmm. But in terms of how we make people feel included at church, for example, is reserve judgment. It's not my place or your place to judge anyone that's between you and god it's not my place mm -hmm. and i am not superior to you nor am i inferior we are on level ground what did uh oh i wish i i don't know if i can remember this i think it's um barack obama's mom used mm. to say to him something along the lines of you are the best and you're also better than no one mm. wow it's, you are not better than anyone else, but but you're also the best, right? <laughs> I get that. Wow. So yeah, uh, let's say like a family moved nearby that had visible religious beliefs. Like their religious beliefs were something that they showed outwardly. Mm -hmm. For example, maybe they wore a turban or um, a hijab. Would you still make an effort to make them feel welcome? And how would you interact with them? I mean, I wouldn't treat them any different than anyone else. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the most important thing is to continue to be friendly polite respectful i mean that's on the surface that's how you make a member of your community feel welcome is to be you know pleasant and polite and respectful mm -hmm. in your everyday interactions mm -hmm. now how to make someone feel truly welcome and a part of the community is to you know try and form relationships get curious you know, you can ask questions, but of course you have to be mindful about what you're asking, that you aren't being disrespectful and understand that every culture is different. So certain things that are completely accepted here maybe aren't in a different culture. I do believe that when you, for example, like if you go on vacation and you go to another country, you need to observe their customs. Mm -hmm. And so when people move here, they do have to be mindful of our customs as well. But Canada is so multicultural. Like, we are really a mixing pot of immigrants. Mm -hmm. Going back generations and generations, we are all immigrants, except for the First Nations that are on these unceded lands, right? Mm -hmm. And so being mindful of that and just have love and compassion for everyone. Yeah, You don't have to like someone to love them. Where do you think uh, you could have a conversation with someone where you could be curious or and ask these questions and maybe kind of have that little place where is there a place i don't know does that like make a physical any sense space? yeah is there a physical space here or well i mean 
I know that, I mean, there's a First Nations Center here, so you can go there and ask questions because it's already staged as a space where those questions are welcome. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say you would just go up to a, a family or yeah. go up to someone who's wearing a turban and go, why do you wear a turban? Right? <laughs> like, that's that's disrespectful, right? That's not that's not welcome right i would say if there were any uh, cultural celebrations happening where the community was invited go yeah. to that like a diwali festival or something if something like that happened go there and learn yeah and i think one thing that's important to recognize in terms of trying to learn about other people's cultures while being respectful is that god gave you two ears and only one mouth <laughs> and in that mouth, there are lips and teeth in the way of that tongue. Mm. So in order to really listen, that does not involve a lot of speaking. Wow, that's powerful. That's a good saying. <laughs> Dang. I love it's, that. I, I, I express that hoping that it will permeate into my own mind. <laughs> As I oh. feel like there are many times where I speak too much. Mm -hmm. and listen too little yeah for me i feel like like i work at starbucks i work at a coffee shop and maybe at one end of the coffee shop there's uh, a bible practice and then at the other end there's a muslim prayer going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. and the thing that connects them is a cup of coffee and i find that that there's something profound in that little yeah. moment as well where we can create that space just at a coffee shop yeah yeah that's just that's just me <laughs> it sounds nice i mean obviously if someone is praying in a park somewhere for example and they're going through their ritualized prayer you wouldn't necessarily want to just walk up to them and disturb them right exactly and they're yeah. in a very private moment between them and god right mm -hmm. it's a tough um, balance i know as is pretty much everything in life so like in christianity um we're taught about the idea of heaven many people teach that only christians who have been baptized can go to heaven unfortunately there are some denominations that really do believe this and mm -hmm. i'm just wondering like what do you think about this and is heaven only exclusive to those who are christian and does that mean everyone else is going to hell uh, even if they were good people on earth like what do you think I don't think that heaven is a place per se. Wow. Like a physical yeah. place separate from earth. I think heaven and hell are more a state of consciousness. Mm. So when you are plagued with guilt and shame, you're in hell. And mm. I feel like when you die, you are doomed to repeat those loops and just stay as a tortured soul and just rejoin the universe but as negative energy whereas heaven is you know when you're able to cleanse your soul of that negativity and mm -hmm. purify your spirit to the point where you can really personify love and compassion and grace all of those good things mm -hmm. and when you die you know you just kind of return to the ethos i don't think that any religion has a monopoly on I love that. I never really thought about it that way. Christianity is the, the tradition that I've chosen in order to practice my faith in God. I think Jesus Christ was a remarkable person who really, really taught inclusion mm. and love and compassion. And the only people he was ever against were those who thought there was nothing wrong with them. Mm. You know, people who thought their shit didn't stink, basically. 
guess you can keep that swear in. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what I was just thinking about is in my question I mentioned baptism, but I don't know your explanation made it almost go beyond the ritual of baptizing. I mean, your explanation of baptism? No, just or... your explanation of heaven in in the the ritual in Christianity is like you you're cleansed with the water and almost makes me think like baptism isn't just a one-time thing is it it baptism is almost like moving through trauma it's it's trying to do your own self-healing essentially so like baptism could almost just be like you're noticing that i'm not good enough story constantly happens and you finally take that initiative to be like you know what i'm done telling this to myself and that in itself like going through that journey is almost like a baptism I just, I, I don't know, that's just what you make me think. I don't know what you think about that, but, like, I just, I almost got a little shivery. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting that you point that out because I think you're on the right track with that. One of the books I read recently was called The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. Mm-hmm. And one thing he talks about, because um, I was actually recently baptized, like, a month ago. Wow. It was very recent. Yeah. And in making the decision, there were a lot of things that kind of played into it. Um, And there's a few different ways that you can view baptism. I mean, sure, the main way is I've decided to follow Jesus, basically. And that's what the baptism symbolizes for me, because I have been kind of following him and, and communing with God for a few years now. There was a part of me that went, well, then why do I even need to be baptized? I'm already living this way. Mm. But... Richard Rohr describes it in a way that really made sense to me, and it has to do with parallel to that moving through grief, in that being baptized is participating in the ritual of Christ's death and resurrection. Wow. You know, where he was shamed and tortured and killed, murdered on the cross, and then resurrected afterwards. And that cycle happens in our lives many many times throughout one lifetime that death and resurrection of in our case it's not physical death and resurrection of a of a whole human being but death to a former self resurrection of a new way of living new way of thinking the first word that um, jesus uttered publicly as part of his ministry was a greek word called um metanoite i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right and it literally means change your mind to me baptism is about a, a death of your former self and a resurrection to a new life and for me that was perfect because that is exactly what's happening to me right now is saying i'm leaving that old life behind and i'm walking forward marching forward dancing forward into this you know into this new life you know that grief can be a part of that where if you go through something traumatic and you have to grieve you have to move through it Mm -hmm. and then after that death of something and an expectation a value you held uh an innocence there is the resurrection afterwards as you move through it Mm -hmm. that's so profound in its own way like (laughs) it's so cool Why do you think people can get so extreme when it comes to faith and religious beliefs? The two strongest emotions in the human mind are fear and love. And those play huge factors in religion. I think when people become extremists, 
and start hurting other people, it's out of a sense of fear. Especially when you look at some of those religious sects where their belief is that if you don't follow these teachings or these rules to a T, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. And hell is a fiery place full of brimstone and eternal torture. I mean, wouldn't you do anything in your power to stay out of that place? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is, you know, when people love other people and think that those people are going to hell because of a belief that they hold or something like that, right? Yeah. Or when you back someone into a corner, that's another way, right? So if you mm -hmm. start persecuting people who are religious because of their religion, that can backfire. Mm -hmm. right and, and they'll meet your violence with more violence mm -hmm. violence is never the answer and all it does is you know like perpetuate it i think that's why people can take it to such an extreme level i like your answer that's very true just such an unfortunate thing that people communities cultures live their whole lives this way mm -hmm. so much so that like wars happen mm -hmm. over it and it's just it's just so unfortunate you know I would argue that they are in hell. Yeah. Especially with your very profound explanation of heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. I, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. When you're living in that fear, you are in hell. You are in hell. I have been to the fiery city and back. You know, <laughs> like I've, I have lived many a day deep in despair. I don't wish it, wish it upon anyone. I guess my follow-up question is like how can science then be included in these conversations about faith and in your opinion as a person with a degree in biology how does science fit in i think science answers everything that faith cannot and vice versa yeah they just they complement each other quite well so then in the science community do you think there is a bit of fear as well like we're talking about with extreme religion, um, there are some people that will laugh at you if you believe in anything because science says that it doesn't exist. I have been um, subject to that laughter, but I don't think that it's fear. I think it's contempt. I think it's superiority and ego mm. at play. I went through that experience getting my degree, and my peers were atheists, all of them. Mm -hmm. And... You know, that's fine if that works for you. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, just as I expect you not to do the same to me. But I think it's rather egotistical to assume that our limited human perceptions can actually grasp the reality that is the universe. Where science ends is where faith begins, mm -hmm. you know, in that we, we place our hope in the mysteries of the universe that science cannot explain. You actually described this really well in a previous conversation where we were talking about the third, fourth, and fifth dimension. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this conversation? <laughs> yeah. You know, thinking about um, a character in a comic strip where they can only see in 2D, mm -hmm. and then someone in 3D comes and puts their finger on the comic strip. Well, the 2D character will see a, a dot appear, but they won't actually be able to see in the third dimension. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what they're looking at. They might experience the periphery of that stimulation, but they won't actually be able to comprehend its source. And the same goes for God in that our limited human perceptions. It's only in 3D. You know, I, I feel God's presence, sure. Mm -hmm. I feel a glimmer of it here and there. 
do I know what it looks like? Absolutely not. I'm just a human, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I have faith that it's there. I, I do personally. Mm -hmm. um, and that faith brings me hope and peace. are challenging each other's beliefs and yet we can still walk away as friends do we need to practice any skills to your knowledge I think probably the most important thing you have to keep in mind or practice and I think this goes for any possibly charged or difficult conversations is just be respectful of each other mm -hmm. and when it comes to things like opinions you kind of have to try and not take it personally mm -hmm. right or if you notice, like, be really aware of your emotions. If you notice you're starting to get upset, mm -hmm. get curious. Be sort of a detective of your own emotions, because if you're getting upset because of someone else's religious beliefs, I mean, really, that's, that is not their fault. Something is going on within you that you need to sort out. So it's good to ask, well, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And if you can continue to do that throughout the conversation, and then just try and approach the conversation as a mission to understand the other person rather than to be understood primarily mm -hmm. maybe even just set aside the whole i need to try to prove i'm right mentality i feel like i've been in conversations about religion with people where you know they, they will ridicule me like you said previously they'll constantly argue everything and they just want to try to prove themselves right to me i've done the same too and yeah. i i don't know there's this attack mentality going on which you don't even really realize it could be a really charged topic and i think the reason for that is because religion is very personal it's very much a personal relationship that you have with your your version of god uh, or your understanding of god and because of that, to say to someone else that you are wrong for a personal experience that you have is it's pretty offensive, to be honest. And even using that word offensive, it's easy if someone challenges you to start getting upset about it. But then I'd ask you to think about how strong your faith actually is. It's, it's not uncommon to have um, doubts in your faith and that's completely normal. But if you're getting offended because someone else is telling you you're wrong, to me that points to some doubts in your own faith. And I only say that because for me, I'm, I'm pretty sure of some major aspects of my faith. And so when other people challenge me, I just, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Like, you're welcome to challenge me. My experience with God is mine. Yeah. And it's not for you to say what it is or it is not. And so I don't really take offense to it because to you, you have your own experience and that's fine. It brings me back to some of the things you were saying about working at Starbucks, assuming the best of people. Mm -hmm. It is rare for people to intentionally try and piss you off. Mm. <laughs> that's really well said. I like that because it's, it's just so gosh darn true, isn't it? It exists, it does. but it's rare. It is. Something that I've kind of learned recently is, you know, when you notice those feelings, like you're saying, mm -hmm. what is wrong with saying, 
I need a timeout from that conversation and saying like, hey, listen, I'm going into a headspace right now that's not okay. I feel as though what might come out is hurtfulness mm -hmm. if I don't take a timeout and realign. It's a weird, awkward thing to think about because I don't think a lot of us do, especially when we're in that heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. But what is wrong with that? I don't really think there is anything wrong with that, especially if the person who is maybe challenging your beliefs or if you're challenging someone else. There's a vulnerability in that. <laughs> Sorry, we're giggling because Desmond is yelling loudly into his mattress. Oh, he's so cute. He's not crying. He's just literally yelling. Aww. Muffled yells into his mattress. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you need to take a break, but I think making sure that if you're wanting to take a break, you have to be really clear that that break is for you because you are maybe starting to take things personally yeah. and also expressing to the other person the understanding that that is not their intention for you to be taking it that way. Yeah. Um, and I say that because I'm not very good at taking breaks from conversations. Mm. I don't like feeling like the other person is running away from a hard conversation. Mm -hmm. If someone does say that, like, I need a break from a hard conversation, and they were to say, let's maybe come back to this in half an hour. Oh, I, could, I could deal with that. You could deal with that? And then totally. what if, like, half an hour later, they're like, you know what? I need another half an hour. Is that okay? Um, I guess at that point I would say... I would either say, well, as long as after that half an hour we do actually talk, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, um, or, uh, but the, you know, I think the main thing is communicating that, right? Like, yeah, I don't think you'd need more than half an hour to be honest. Mm -hmm. If you've had a timeout and you've allowed, you know, the energies that are buzzing to dissipate, yeah, you know, you'd be surprised at what even five minutes can do. I think the key there is it depends on how heated you got. If you got to the point where you're starting, just starting to get heated and you realize I'm not going to be able to handle this and I need to take a step back, then you won't need very much time to calm down per se. It's once you actually start arguing and saying things that are hurtful that you need more time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the key there is probably to catch it early. Oh. No, this is, this is uh, skills that aren't just for having a religious conversation, I think, what we're talking. This is skills just for, I think, for any type of relationship. It's hard, though, especially to try to catch yourself. Sometimes I, I feel like a piece of poo when I realize I did not catch myself and I just said those things. So then, um, then don't be afraid to apologize. Yeah, don't be afraid to apologize and... Yeah. I think there's something also really empowering to maybe just say, I need a 30 minute break from this, mm -hmm. right? Just mm -hmm. to like regain your power, mm -hmm. right? So I think you're, we're back into that hell headspace mm -hmm. when you start going there. Well, and just have a moment to sit and reflect and go, okay, why am I so upset right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it like dive into those thoughts a little bit more so that you can gain a new perspective of it. Because really, like once you... <sighs> If you really try and sit with a different perspective on it and try and understand, like, I find that most anger is because of a fear of unknowing. Mm -hmm. So once you know, or at least even if you get to the point where you know what questions to ask. One thing that I learned recently from my 
life coach, she talks about a communication model where when someone says something, if you, if you're starting to find that communication is breaking down, say, okay, I am hearing you say dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. I think this means dot, dot, dot. Am I correct? And wait for the answer. Wow. You know, as an opportunity to clarify, if you're starting to get upset about something, you've probably misunderstood something. Yeah, that's powerful. That's so powerful. Like, stop the video, take a minute, think about that. Mm -hmm. How can you implement that communication model into your daily life? That's big. It wow. takes time. Uh, when I first learned it, I, I certainly wasn't able to implement it. Mm -hmm. uh, now I find that I pretty consistently do when things are starting to go sideways. I stop and start. If I feel like I'm not being heard or understood or that I'm not understanding the other person, I, I end up reverting back to that. Mm -hmm. And it basically always helps gain some clarity. Personally, I've never really had any religious conversations that are like to, that get to the point of needing something like that they they can be tense you feel that energy especially since people who have been religious for a long time usually have a pretty clear idea of what they believe and they believe that to be right and not all religions or spiritualities embrace the fact that it's a personal experience and so my version of right is not necessarily what's right for you they can get charged, but I think just take a breath, realize that threatened feeling that you're having is actually just your ego rearing up and you can say, oh, there you are, ego. Okay, I see you. Mm -hmm. I see you, but we don't need to, we don't need to come out to play right now. Wow. You're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's Thank really you. true. Like that's so well spoken and Des, I really hope you do take what your mom says with you because that's really good. Absolutely. I'm really hoping more than anything that Desmond and I can maintain lines of communication as he gets older mm -hmm. um, because I think it's really, it's challenging between a parent and a kid, mm -hmm. you know, just I can be preachy so I, I have to be careful to allow him to also make his own mistakes. I can be preachy a bit too. So, is there anything you'd be willing to commit to in order for you to continue to nurture religious diversity? And what would you be willing to do to help others learn to honor each other's differences? I remember I asked uh, my mom what she would be willing to commit to to support diversity. And uh, she's like, commitment? Like, really? Um, but I, I do find that commitment is the right word because commitments also refers to making that mistake mm -hmm. and promising yourself to learn something from that mistake and to try not to do it again, right? And if it does happen again, having that other conversation um, or having that moment of self-reflection mm -hmm. and really trying to dig deep. Commitment also is a word that you use to recognize the importance of something. And I really do think that religious diversity is so important. Not just like mm -hmm. regular diversity, which is so important, mm -hmm. but like religious diversity too, right? Because it is that personal thing, like you're saying. So one thing I have been committed to for many years and will continue to be committed to is my ongoing quest to continue to learn every day. Mm -hmm. I never want to stop learning more. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is trying to learn just to be a better person 
learn how to communicate better, learn how to honor people's boundaries and feelings and implement my own as needed, learn how to be authentic and not hide any part of me because I, I really value authenticity, but I also find myself to be a bit of a chameleon. I, I learned from a young age how to fit in anywhere because when I was young and bullied, I didn't fit in anywhere. Mm. So you learn really quickly yeah. how to just get along with everyone. And that doesn't always allow you to express who you really are. But in terms of commitments that maybe I hadn't thought of, in terms of like religious diversity or spiritual diversity, in terms of religious diversity, a commitment that I've made is to uh, love all of my brothers and sisters even if I don't like them. Mm. There are a few people that, that who I know who I just do not like. Yeah. I just, they rub me the wrong way. I am never looking forward to a conversation with them and yet I have committed myself to love them regardless mm. and wow. try and do my best to see their value because every single person has value. In the future, I, I would like to learn more about the First Nations communities, mm. especially here where I live. I realize, I've known this for a while, but especially as all of the news of the residential schools comes up, I realize how little I actually know about First Nations. Same. And I completely respect their distrust of the government. And I think, using COVID as an example, I, I doubt many First Nations actually got vaccinated because of how our Western customs and regulations were forced upon them and, and still are in some ways. I, I bet you most of them did not get vaccinated because they simply don't trust the Canadian government. And I don't blame them. And furthermore, I think it is our job as citizens to protect those people. Absolutely. So. Wow, I got shivers. <laughs> you sure that's not just like sweat heat stroke or? <laughs> it's pretty hot in here. <laughs> no, I think it was. I really, I did, yeah. I did connect with that. Yeah. Well, um, we got a few more minutes left. I th would you be down to do a quick little rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. Fill in the blank. Vulnerability is. Vulnerability is showing up as you truly are, regardless of your level of fear. Whoa. Nice, wow, okay. Um, who is your favorite superhero? My favorite superhero? <laughs> oh, this is terrible. I think my favorite superhero is Iron Man. He's a cocky badass. <laughs> and probably mostly because it's Robert Downey Jr. and I love him. <laughs> uh -huh. It's fair, it's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. I love him. Um, what is your favorite meal? My favorite meal? Oh, you know, I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but that one is really difficult because I absolutely love food. Like, mm. I love all cuisine, and I grew up with a lot of different types of food. Oh, wow. um, if I could choose one meal just here in this moment, who I am now, that is probably my favorite, it would be authentic shepherd's pie. <sighs> With yes. lambs. Oh. With lamb. It has to be with lamb. I'll have ten. <laughs> have you had my shepherd's pie? I don't know if I've had your shepherd's pie. I've had my parents' shepherd pie. and It's do. not It's not mine. I can't take credit for it. It's actually a recipe by Alton Brown. Okay. But 
from the Food Network, but man. But when it's made from your heart. Oh, it's outstanding. Yeah. It's not the season, but I'll make it for you in winter one of these times. Okay, one day. What is one thing that you're excited about when it comes to being a mom? One thing I'm excited about, um, you know, I, I guess I could call this one thing. I'm excited... No, that's not one thing. I'll, I'll just say I'm excited for when um, Desmond starts to speak. I think that's that's probably the one thing I'm most excited about is conversation. And all those why questions that, you know, eventually I'm sh- sure I'm going to want to pull my hair out from from how nonstop they are. But at the same time, I feel like I'm going to love every moment of it. Oh, I'm not crying. <laughs> There's so much <laughs> dust in here. Uh, um to have a conversation with Desmond I am excited about that as an uncle um so I just I, I you know my curiosity was never encouraged as a kid it was very much stifled and so I think I'm 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 excited and so I scratch my previous answer even or to add on top of it I am excited to be able to be someone who actually fosters his curiosity and kind of follows where it goes and f- see what he wants to do with his life i'm not gonna put any expectations on what he does with his life or at least i'm gonna try not to yeah as he's listening to this now however many years later he's probably thinking you do that all the time (laughs) (laughs) so you amber you are called to be brave you can feel it in your throat what's the first thing that you do i feel like this is kind of an easy question for you but maybe it's not anyways just keep going what, I, what I'm going to do to be brave. I just feel like you've experienced this so much in your life that you just know, but anyway, I'm sorry, I, I keep interjecting. Yeah, you know what, I have to wonder <laughs> if you do know, because when I think about me being brave right now and what I am called to do, it's to become a counselor wow. and to help other people work through their trauma because I am scared mm-hmm. of this career path. Mm-hmm. It is a huge, huge responsibility mm-hmm. and probably more challenging than anything I could have ever imagined for myself and all I want to do is a good job and I want to help people and I don't want to break anyone's heart and I'm going to have to watch a lot of hearts break and keep myself together at the same time and so I'm scared to do it counseling Mm -hmm. you know being a counselor carried a lot of stigma for me as a kid my dad always told me I don't ever want you to know your counselor it was like to that degree and so I am being brave and doing it anyway. That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Really? To do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Feel the fear, but do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're a firefighter, you're a mom, you're... The firefighting, I don't even know how I got into that. But... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then you're trained to be a first responder, you're training... Yeah. Like, it's just, it's who you are I, from my perspective and what I admire about you is just see a challenge and you run see a cha- towards, you it. Run towards <laughs> it so fast and head first and maybe you trip and fall a few times but you're just mm-hmm. like screw it I'm still going mm-hmm. and here's me I I'm a bit reserved like I love to run into it too mm-hmm. but I have to count back from five mm-hmm. I have to take deep breaths I have to really think about it and then when I really think about it I lose my motivation mm. Right? And that, in that, so that's probably why I run towards it is because I know from experience that my fear can get the best of me mm. if I let it simmer 
for too long. So, you know, I, I got to a point in my 20s where I sat down and looked at my life and realized I was afraid of everything. And I got, I was, I was just so sick of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be afraid of anything anymore. And it was, you know, the typical fears. I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. I'm afraid of thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of drowning. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid mostly more than anything i've been afraid of failure that's been my biggest fear oh i feel that yeah but in conquering all of those other fears that were manageable and tangible mm-hmm. i feel like now i've actually gotten to a point where that fear of failure is almost gone yeah shivers again i <laughs> me too i've just never thought of that <laughs> you know like it's I started with things I could manage. Yeah. I didn't start with the biggest challenge, which is that fear of failure. Mm. I started small. I started with, okay, you're afraid of heights. Go become a house painter for a summer. You're up on these huge ladders and you're going to do it. Oh, you're afraid of drowning. I got my scuba diving certification. Wow. You're afraid of thunderstorms. I swam in the ocean in Panama in the middle of a thunderstorm, which I don't recommend, <laughs> but it was far away. It was <laughs> <laughs> It was really far away. Uh, so cool. <laughs> so I, I took them on one by one, starting with what I thought I could manage. Yeah. It goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation about perseverance. Mm. At the beginning, you kind of feel like you're fumbling or whatever, but suddenly you, you wake up one day and you look back and you realize that you've actually made it all the way up that staircase. And you only took it one step at a time. Each step seemed so small that by the time you got to the top and looked back you went oh my goodness there's like five flights of steps below me if you had focused on on all the way up the top of the building right from the very beginning you'd never even get started Mm -hmm. if you just focus on that one step in front of you before you know what you're at the top yeah wow Ooh, i had to take a moment okay (laughs) um do you have a favorite Pokemon? Because, you know, I have to ask this question because it's yeah. me, right? I was laughing at what that sounded like you said. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the Dear Brambling Podcast is a podcast dedicated to my little nephew, to the next generation of humans growing up in this world, as well as to those who might be looking for a little more guidance in their life. It is hosted by me, Luke Benoit. The editing and sound design are provided by MB Productions as well as Hideout Productions. The music that you're listening to is called Sunlight Cascading Through the Clouds by Artificial Music. If you'd like to follow me on any social media, I am on Instagram and Twitch at Lucatronosaurus Rex. And for those who are still listening this far into the podcast, I'd like to take a moment to really thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'd also like to say that if you are experiencing any difficulties or pain in your life right now, there is still no substitute for a trained coach, counselor, or licensed therapist. If you are committed to putting in the work and really trying to better yourself as a human, I definitely recommend that you go searching and shopping for the right coach, counselor, or therapist for you. And uh, speaking of love, Des, I really love you and thank you for sitting through this and um I did a lot. Yeah. And I love you too, Desmond. Aww. You are like the absolute best person to ever come into my life. Aww. Same. <laughs> Same. Um, and yeah. Uh, love you. 
Hi. <laughs> <laughs>